As health and wellness providers, we know that better patient outcomes require a whole person, multidisciplinary approach that we just can't provide on our own. That's why I've started the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I'll be bringing you interviews with experts, tips, tricks, secrets, resources, systems, and solutions so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And creating your wellness center won't feel like starting over. Hello, I'm Kendall, and it's so good to be back with you all for another episode of the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. Before we dive in today, let's talk about Jane, our favorite practice management software. Jane is so much more than an EMR. The team at Jane wants to help you grow and manage your business, and they do that with helpful features like easy online booking, electronic charting, and streamlined billing. All features are designed with you and your needs in mind. If you're wanting to learn more, head on over to jane.app. You'll find more details on features that will be helpful to you as a provider and as a business owner. So you can see if Jane is the right fit. While you're there, you can also book a demo with a member of Jane's support team. If you know you're ready to get started with Jane, you can use the code W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S-1-M-O in your sign-up notes for a one-month grace period. Welcome back to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. Today, we have Heather Joma Frey joining us. Did I say your name right, Heather? <laughs> you did. It's kind of, I do that sometimes too. It's like, Heather Joma Frey, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it just sort of me- meshed together there. Yes, it does that. <laughs> Which is odd because I've known you for several years. Yes. I love I love sharing with our audience how I know our guests. Mm. I think relationships are so important. And yeah. um, I think sometimes, especially in this field, we can tend to have these connections that turn into more than what we expected. Yeah. Heather and I met, when did we meet? 2014? Yeah, I think it was because I opened the studio that year. So I met you that same year, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. Yes. So Heather um, at the time owned a yoga studio and she's an amazing yoga instructor. Mm. Uh, She's also a mom, a student, a thinker, overall movement facilitator, and now a medical worker, now an ex-yoga studio owner, which we'll Mm. talk about more later, and just a multi-passionate person. So welcome, Heather. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Kendall, for having me. It's truly a pleasure. I'm happy to be here and looking forward to visiting with you. Yeah. So to finish that story a bit, I met Heather in 2014 and we, uh, another colleague of ours who is also going to be on the podcast, Jocelyn, she, yes, she came and found you and asked you to teach a private yoga class for therapists. Is that right? That's exactly right. Yeah. And I was like, absolutely. I would love to do that. So we started doing that and we had this whole group of therapists and we would do yoga together every week. And it, we just formed this, you really formed this amazing 
beautiful community and we felt so safe and we had this space to share the unique perspective of being a therapist and working yeah. in private practice or some of some of us were working in groups or agencies at the time and just having that place to move together and share share those moments that really only other helping professionals really understand so yeah we are we are now all good friends and we have go skinny dipping together and- <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> Many, many adventures and yeah. more to come, hopefully. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> so you've done a variety of things in your life. Yes. So tell me what you love about entrepreneurship. It's mm, such a great question. I was thinking about this and I realized that every single, I come from, uh, my parents both have really large families. My father's family emigrated from Finland they're all entrepreneurs. I come from six siblings. Every single one of my siblings are entrepreneurs, except for my baby sister. And my father was also, he had his own um, brick mason business while we were growing up. And my mom did too, actually. She did gift baskets for a really long time. So I think I kind of like grew up just around people that were like, hey, I'm good at this, or I like doing this, and I'm going to figure out how to make a living for my family by doing it. I didn't really think about it at the time just because of the circumstances that led me to open the yoga studio. But I think part of what really appealed to me about studying yoga and learning how to teach a movement and mindfulness was this idea that I could kind of play with how to schedule my own time and how to kind of create classes that I really liked to teach and you know, I could move around and teach where I wanted, you know, eventually. So I think what I love getting back to your original question about entrepreneurship is it sort of allowed me to be the creative person that I feel like I am and to kind of live life. I mean, there's, you know, a lot of responsibility that comes with it, but there's also a certain amount of Uh, of creativity and kind of fun and joy that you get to play with to make your living. And for me, and we can talk about that a little bit more later too, because now I'm working for a huge medical facility and Mm -hmm. there are pluses to that as well. But I think entrepreneurship, it felt like it was all encompassing in a good way. It required my creativity and my focus. And yeah, I just... I felt like I could really give all of myself to to my work and kind of make it what I wanted, put things where I wanted them to be, figure out systems that worked well for me and my clients rather than kind of having to, you know, adapt to something that maybe didn't really fit super well. Those are kind of the reasons for me, I guess, on top of coming from an entrepreneurial, you know, family where it just seemed sort of that's what people did in my circle. Yeah. How beautiful to have those models in your life too. You don't, yeah, I didn't certainly think about it at the time. And I you know, I think my parents probably went through their own struggles. My father was quite successful for a while, ended up being allergic to lime, which is like a main ingredient in cement. And so finally after, I mean, he had, you know, six kids, finally after we were kind of old enough, he changed careers. 
but I didn't at the time realize how difficult the actual work was on him because of that allergy. So I think that also, right, that speaks to this kind of like, it's your baby and you want to raise it and you want to like mm-hmm. stick with it. And, but it certainly was, uh, yeah, he was a great model of how to be creative and enjoy making a living. Yeah. And I think that's really the appeal for most entrepreneurs, right? Is to have that creative freedom, the flexibility, build your own life, build your own schedule, be able to have your work sort of integrated with your family and all of those things. And I'm curious for you, I mean, we could probably talk all day about also the challenges of entrepreneurship and anyone listening, you know, most of our listeners are business owners. So they're already going through some of those challenges. Mm. For you, what was it? What, What were those hardest moments? Yeah, I think, you know, it's taken me sort of this couple of years to look back and realize for me personally, the marketing was actually really hard. Like I feel like that took a lot of my energy. I felt like I was really consistently being like, come on people, come on. And (laughs) please keep coming. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, this is good for you. And they're just looking back. I should have outsourced that you know, I, I, I've watched you and I've watched a couple of other entrepreneurs that I've grown to respect over time. And it's like, oh my gosh. Although I don't think, I mean, even just like five, six, seven years ago, I don't think it was as easy to outsource marketing like as it is now. It's amazing how much has changed. But for me, that was honestly it. Like I just wanted to spend my time being in the studio, being around my students, you know, five, six, seven people who were interested in being there. I didn't care about having huge classes and like, you know, getting a ton of people in the door. And that part of it just was really pretty draining, honestly, for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of helping professionals can really relate to that Mm. because we, we want to do the work of helping people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that when we spend our energy doing the other parts of the business, mm. it can feel burdensome. Yeah. And um, and I remember, you know, witnessing that with you mm. of you, it's sort of fighting against that, right? And yeah. I've certainly experienced that in our business as well. Mm. And and finding those people who it just brings them so much joy to do the marketing piece. I and, know. And, and they exist. Yeah. <laughs> I I know. And you found them. And I remember you telling me, just like, oh my God, this girl is amazing. And she, like, she loves it. And I was almost like, I totally don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's sort of like when you find a CPA. Yes. And I think we, you and I have the same CPA. And, yes. and she loves the work. <laughs> yeah. And and I remember you telling me about her originally and how much she loves the work and I didn't believe you and then I met her <laughs> and and it brings her so much joy yeah. to do taxes and yeah. I I just can't I just want to give her a hug like I <laughs> It's so true. And yeah. you saying that like it's just 
Yeah. I mean, I think this is what makes me so happy about you doing this project because like if I were to listen to this, like that would have been a huge aha for me. Like Mm -hmm. you don't freaking have to do everything. There are people out there who you can afford who would love to do this part of your business for you. And absolutely. uh, Yeah. And looking back, I think that, I think if I would have figured out that piece or given myself, you know, time or permission to to ask some advice, to receive that advice, I think that would have made a difference in me, yeah. you know, post-COVID being like pulling on my big girl panties going, okay, like, are we going to, are we going to sort of start this engine up again? So yeah, yeah, I mean, ask around, like there are people who are more than willing to do those things that you maybe don't feel passionate about who go to school to learn how to do those things. It's actually true. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. They exist. Mm. Oh, well, so... When you owned the studio, you you have two kids, if you don't mind me sharing that with you. Totally. The yes, please. Um, and they have quite an age difference between them. Yeah. Yeah. And your younger child was fairly young when you were building your business. Yes. So I would love to just hear more about that experience. And your older child is now 20. Oh my God. He'll be 21 so, in June. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. Um what are your words of wisdom? I think there are so many, there are so many of us doing this entrepreneurship thing with young kids at home. So what are your thoughts? Yeah. So I took a slightly different route, I think, than a lot of people did in that my son, my youngest boy was four when I opened the breathing room. But I had also, like, just so that listeners are aware, I had also been teaching at a yoga studio and kind of doing the managing thing at a yoga studio even before I was pregnant with him. So he has sort of grown up coming in, like, in my Snuggie or whatever, you know, like me wearing him on (laughs) my back, like coming in to clean or work at the front desk or whatever. So the piece that I sort of ventured, uh, you know, maybe in a different lane that a lot of people do is that we kind of homeschooled our kid right away. So he was like with me. I was lucky enough to be able to have landlords and a, you know, sort of a situation up there in the studio where I could bring my kiddo and have him bring his little keyboard and he had a little room he could go in and he would read his books and be on his phone and play his keyboard for a couple of hours while I had to teach a class if my husband was working. So I think just the logistics of, okay, Like, you know, there's this two-hour chunk where I don't have anybody to help me out with him. And then I have to get him, whatever, to grandma's or auntie's or hubby gets home. So just sort of taking on the logistical part and expecting there to be a fair amount of logistics with kiddos. And also, if it's possible, having a space where you work for kids to come and be, for your kid to come and be. And again, I realize that's not possible and maybe not all parents want to do that, but that ended up working pretty well for us. I think Bo ended up being there like once or twice a week with me for a a stretch of time. I, I didn't typically work 
eight to nine, 10 hours in a row there, but he would be there for three or four hours with me. And my older son, Max, was in middle school and high school at the time, which was super convenient because he was right up the street at school. So whether he would, you know, come down and then ride home with me, he could walk to the studio from school. I mean, I think I think my kids really loved watching me sort of be able to do my own thing. I think they enjoyed kind of participating in it and being a part of it as well. It's a lot of work, but it's also a lot of work to to go to a job when you have kids too. And I love the flexibility that owning my own business allowed me to have. And I'm a big pro bring your kid to work person too. And again, I realized that not all types of work, you can't do that. I'm lucky, you know, with being a movement facilitator that that was, I mean, my oldest boy would actually come when I taught at a gym 20 years ago. He would come with me. I would just put him in the corner or hold him when I taught. So, you know, that that kind of work is okay to do with the kiddo. And I always love seeing children at work with their parents. I know it's kind of not a super popular thing to do. And everybody well, can't it do it. Well, it's really... Yeah, it but, but it really fosters community. That's you know, the, just, yeah, totally. I mean, there was I met a lot of people and a lot of people ended up coming to the studio who actually knew me through the school or through the co-op or whatever it was. So, yeah, having your kids around absolutely fosters community for sure. That's a really good way to put it. And, you know, I work with a lot of clients who are opening their wellness centers and they have young kids and some of them are building family-based wellness centers, which is so beautiful, mm. or they or their target populations are, you know, everything perinatal and mm. um, it's really being built around the kiddos. And then wow. a lot of clients are building those centers that are more towards adults. And that's how, that's how our clinic is yeah. here is... You know, we're very family friendly, uh, but it's not actually built for children and we welcome children. So one of the sweetest things for us is being able to, for a staff member to come, an employee to come, you know, share that they're pregnant and me to share back with them. Like, we are so excited for you to bring your baby Mm -hmm. to work with you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, really the look on their face is just one of such gratitude and relief because it's actually not very common. Yeah, it's a huge thing. I mean, and it's a a large reason you know this, why a lot of really wonderful therapists just stop working when they have kids because the place where they, you know, work doesn't facilitate that. I remember going potty at the studio, at your studio, and seeing the changing table and being like, this is what I'm talking about. You know, like mm-hmm. you didn't even have to say, hey, kids, welcome. You just have things there that that show this is a family-friendly environment to a certain extent. I mean, we have to be sure. respectful. Yes, we also have to be quiet in hall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, but I think how do we learn how to do that unless we're given the opportunity, you know, to try to see what it's like? Absolutely. So, you know, you taught for several years and you're still teaching, yes. right? Yeah, I am. Um, virtually, but your studio really brought the community together. Mm. And I'm curious, 
you know, in your experience, who do you think that community-based movement classes really benefit? Mm. It's so funny. In my mind right now, I'm seeing some of like my my favorite um, students who are in their 60s yeah. and 70s. I mean, everybody's mm-hmm. my favorite, of course. But um, and, and a lot of these people have been with me literally since I started teaching almost 20 years ago. And so they've I've kind of grown up with them. But I think community-based classes they do, they support the people who are in their 70s, who are kind of like, you know, I'm finally done working and like I finally get to fill my days with the things that really nourish me. And having the presence of like those aunties and uncles around so that then us, you know, more bleary-eyed, middle-aged people raising teenagers or raising young children there's something so sweet that happens when those two ages mix and this older generation kind of gets to fill in the auntie, uncle, grandma, grandpa thing and really cool relationships for me personally and that I've witnessed for other students. Even now, virtually, we have a young person in their 20s who is developing this really cool relationship with these people in their 60s and 70s, just checking in every week and asking, how's your grandson? And how, you know, whatever it mm. is, I think for me, like those two ages, it brings them together in a space where they might not otherwise, those two particular, you know, generations might not otherwise get to come together and ask questions together and share, you know, intimate parts about their lives together and move together. And then, of course, I love it when the young young kids, teenagers and early 20s get to come into and not be only with their peers, but get to be around this you know, group of people that have had these beautiful, rich life experiences. And especially when you're able to foster conversation or a little bit of dialogue before a class, seeing people get to make these connections with each other. I mean, that's where it's at right there. Absolutely. And that's something you did and do so well, Heather, is fostering that conversation at the mm. beginning and end of classes mm. where it invites it's it's really different than most yoga classes mm. that then people would expect it's it's really offering up that time and space and with it in a structured ish way mm. but leaving room for people to share something about their day or their week or their life that they they really needed to share with someone and and they have that now that friend yeah. and and even mentor at times in the yeah. class and they're building those relationships and it's really a special experience. And I think, thank you so much for saying that. And I want to just give all due, you know, props to my teacher, my original teacher. Her name now is Sundari Sitaram. But that's really who I learned how to facilitate not only the queuing of class, not only kind of how do we bring people through this really cool hour of time, but how you bookend it. Because it's a particular skill, you know. I think I'm kind of a shy person, like left to my own devices. I would just rather like slide in and slide out, but taking the time and energy to really let people kind of share how they're doing, there is, that is worth a million dollars right there. Uh, You know, you don't have to sign up for a slot to, to check in. Like you just organically welcome people to share one thing about their day or whatever, you know, 
sort of create a question around a, a poem or a quote. I'm just kind of teasing out what that actually looks like. And, um, yeah. and I think you're absolutely, you're right. It just helps us all to know that like, oh my gosh, we're actually all in this together. And we've actually all in some ways experienced very similar things. And here's what I did about it, or here's how I've grown to appreciate that thing, or here's what I learned. And, and then we're all learning from each other. And, and me too, you know, I get the benefit of all of that as well. Absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of wellness center creators, that's what they want. Yeah. They want to foster community, yeah. right? They want Good. clients <laughs> and patients to yeah, <laughs> to come through the door and have that experience of finding their community. So, and I know many of these entrepreneurs out there are wanting to add yoga oh, or cool. wanting to add yoga to their services. So, why should we be mindful as mm. entrepreneurs if we're interested in navigating this world of yoga? Thank you. And bringing in that studio piece. Yeah, thank you so much, Kendall, for asking that. And this is where I'm just going to speak for myself because this is really pretty private work, um, you know, and I don't expect like it's really important that I don't try to project this on anybody else or, you know, what anybody else is doing. But for me, and really this came about like at the beginning of COVID when I kind of started studying and I had more time to kind of dive into my own yoga practice, there was this whole thing happening around, well, who does yoga actually belong to? And what does it look like when we appropriate practices that we maybe don't fully understand? And I feel like I came into yoga in the early 2000s and a time where it was kind of a free-for-all. You know, you could call yourself a guru, you could charge whatever you wanted for classes, and everyone was just sucking it up like sponges because we were so hungry for some direction. We were so hungry, I think, just as a culture, especially like middle-aged white women, you know, hungry for stress relief, hungry for some direction for ritual, for spiritual practice, because a lot of that, it got usurped by colonization. Like we don't really know what our ancient practices are as white-skinned people a lot of times. And what became clear to me in my studies over the last couple of years is that, you know, there are a group of people that feel like actually what yoga is, is it's kind of like my family's ritual. I'm not speaking for myself. I'm speaking, you know, from other groups of people that have basically said like, you know, it's so easy to appropriate or to misinterpret teachings. And ultimately down the line, this is harmful because yoga, as it's sort of originally, through its original sources, is oftentimes pretty distorted by the time it gets to a 200-hour yoga teacher training, you know, wherever, taught by someone who raised their hand and paid the money to teach it, but without sort of the uh, the lineage and without the board certification by people who actually hold that lineage. So for me, I just feel like it would be it's really important if you're going to offer yoga, if is it actually yoga? And 
And again, like what I'm doing mostly now is mindfulness and movement because the yoga part to me, I don't actually really even understand, you know, the the actual traditions and the rituals because I'm not Hindu, like because I don't have that understanding and that framework, I'm looking at it really from like a Western, uh, you know, kind of, they call it Abrahamic like perspective. And so... I think it's not right for me to teach something that I haven't been given like the stamp of approval from somebody who is actually a lineage holder. Yes, I've been given the stamp of approval from, you know, a Western organization, but has this Western organization been given a stamp of approval? And to my understanding, the answer is largely no, you know, it would be similar to Kendall, like to you and your husband having, you know, a ritual that you do with your kids. And I kind of watch you do it once or twice. And then I take that and now I'm selling that to people and I'm calling it something different and I'm like teaching it in a different way. And although it may not be such a big deal, these practices are, are a really big deal. These come from generations of families who have a really deep understanding that, again, I think I, for me, I don't get completely. So for me to say, oh, no, I am, you know, qualified to teach that, in my heart, it no longer felt true. It no longer felt yeah. like I'm not it's not my place to teach this. I can teach mindfulness. I can teach breathing from my own personal experience and I can teach movement or asana. But to be really careful about calling it yoga, which I still do, you know, you and I still do because it's so easy. <laughs> um, yeah. But that's kind of the big picture for me. What it just came down to is kind of how it started to sit and feel with me. So I think that, you know, since you ask, I would just say, See how that sits with people who want to bring yoga in. And if they truly want to bring yoga in, then that means bringing all of it in. You know, that we talk about, that you talk about the deities and that you bring someone in who's qualified to teach from that perspective. Otherwise, call it, you know, stretch and release or, you know, mindfulness and movement. But be mindful that we're not just like, you know, taking something that we weren't freely given and then selling it as a commodity. Because the truth is, we all need these stretches. We all need to be mindful. We all need to learn how to breathe. Um, but we need to not do it off of the, you know, the backs of people who feel like they've already had everything taken from them. And, and now they don't know who their real teachers are, kind of because we've claimed to be the teacher. But what we're mm -hmm. teaching, right, is not actually what their family meant for them to learn. Yeah, it's so important. Thank it's you. so important. And especially, you know, the wellness industry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a light and a shadow to everything. Yes. And the the wellness industry benefits off of yeah. off of yoga. Yeah. And um, and it's so important as especially when we're going outside of our own our own knowings and mm -hmm. our own modalities because yeah. a lot of us as wellness center owners aren't yoga teachers. Yeah. And, and so we decide, okay, we want to add yoga. How wonderful to add yoga to our wellness center. Of course, people yeah. need it and love it and want it. And I'm going to go hire this yoga teacher, yeah. but we actually don't know. Right. 
all of the pieces that need to be in place there. So I do appreciate that conversation and I think our listeners will appreciate it as well. Awesome. I want to ask you about your transition out of owning the yoga studio. Yes. So you you did it. You created this beautiful, amazing, impactful yoga studio that served our community for years. And then you came to us one day and said, "Hey, gals, <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to nursing school. Where <laughs> I'm going to go finish nursing school, right? Yeah, yeah." And so tell us about that transition and sort of what you're doing now and the flip side of that for entrepreneurs, right? That it's okay to to change your mind, right? Yeah. Thank you so much, Kendall, for asking that. It's... um... And I think it kind of ties into really how I started teaching yoga in the first place. Like I was brand new, had my baby, my first baby who's now 20, like on my hip. My husband was a personal trainer in a gym. I was taking their yoga class because I was starting to feel pretty frazzled, like as a young mom, somebody who loved to move their body and wasn't really figuring out how to do that postpartum. And as a, you know, now like, oh, I'm having to manage a a household and, you know, a husband. And so I started taking the yoga class and the teacher left. And this is just like at a gym, you know, like no big deal. And so they asked me to teach yoga. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And so that's when I found my original teacher. I was like, I need to take my own classes instead of just like l- reading it from this pamphlet. And so I kind of fell into teaching. And once I found my root teacher, she's like, oh my gosh, cool. I need someone to clean the bathrooms here. And in exchange, I'll teach you how to teach. And then, hey, will you teach for me? Because her studio is also growing. This is like in 2003, four, five. So, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, now I have this other job. Cool. And I can learned yoga. Like, I love it. I was totally loving it. She was amazing. It was a really cool experience. And then she ended up selling the studio and moving away 10 years later. This is like a long time fast forward. And so we have this whole huge community, you know, hundreds of people saying, what's next? And that's when me and a couple of other teachers got together and said, well, let's do it. Let's open this space kind of as a, as a placeholder for these people to go. Our original teacher's gone. We were kind of all in mourning. And that's really what the breathing room became. And I know that you weren't there before when it was this other studio part of that community. And that was what was so cool to me is to see people come to the breathing room who I hadn't met before. But originally it was, yeah, this kind of like this idea that it would be a space holder for this large community of people who had been practicing together for a decade already. So, and it was awesome. I was so glad that I did it and I loved doing it, raising my kids, getting to have a little bit of like creative outlet, running this business that I really liked. Also for entrepreneurs, my husband has a nine to five who makes most of the money in our family. Um, So that That is one of the most important points of this entire conversation. And and I am in the same boat and it's important to to say that. Thank you so much because I totally agree with you. I think that if the situation had been different and I was having to be the the money earner, you know, I would have not had the freedom to say, oh, you know, I, I don't think this feels right for my heart for me to teach this. I probably would have been like, no, I need every membership that I can get to keep these doors open. So like, I, I understand it, but I also think at some point you really, we all have to pick and choose, you know, what we're going to sell our soul for or whatever because like we need wellness centers we do but be careful about how you do it because 
you, you want to look yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and you want to be able to sleep well at night. And sometimes that means making a hard decision. And that's ultimately for me what it was. It came down to this thing of like, I don't feel like I can right now, unless I study for another couple of years, you know, actually anymore call myself a yoga teacher. And I don't know what else I'm going to call it. I'm not a Pilates teacher. You know, it felt like it kind of needed like this whole revamping after COVID. And I just honestly was like, I don't know that I have the energy and I don't know that I know the way to do that right now. And so yeah. for me, the answer was to honor that for myself. And I'm even kind of changing my mind about nursing school. But at the time, a year ago, you oh, know, <laughs> I know, right? A year and a half ago or so, it was it was pretty obvious to me. We're just, because I had to close the studio for COVID, we're just going to let it stay closed. I'm going to continue teaching virtually to this handful of people who just keep logging on every week. You know, we have our Zoom classes <laughs> and there they are. And it's so nourishing for me too, because they've kind of gone through this whole journey with me. And so I did go back to school and I'm like ready to apply for nursing school. And what I did was get a job at the hospital. This was a requirement on the nursing application. They want to see some clinical hours in the hospital. And now I understand why, because they're like, do you really want to do this? <laughs> and yeah, being in the hospital. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so that for me, I, I guess I think it's a really maybe good place. I don't want to end this conversation, but thinking about the time we have and your question of like, who knows what the future holds? You know, I think feeling free and supporting your own desires to maybe pause and change direction, I think it only serves everybody in the end. I hope, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm kind of being it's just time to sort of let myself have a little bit of decompression time and figure out what it is that makes sense to come next. And again, I understand not everybody has the you know ability to afford that time to ask those questions. But for me, that's really what it was about was I didn't feel any more right about just kind of opening it back up and, and going back to what it was because I had changed and my understanding of what yoga was had changed so much. And I didn't have a, a path that I thought I could follow that would really make it seamless enough to just sort of open back up. So it just feels like this little bit of retreat time. And, you know, like I, I kind of, you said in the beginning, I feel like I'm a multi-passionate person that I'm like, oh, I want to try this. And I've always wanted to do that. And after really spending 20 years kind of focusing on being a parent and really putting some other things that I wanted to do aside to, to tend to the yoga community that we had created and to tend to being a parent, I, I'm so grateful that I have the time now to to make some different choices and to maybe pursue some different things that I feel passionate about and just to be open to like what is that what do I want the next 20 years to look like do I want to go back into you know being another sort of community center owner do I want to do that again or or is there something else out there for me and and at this point honestly I'm still just like open like a little doot 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 just trying to really <laughs> sit with sit with what I'm learning right now and ingesting that and and letting that kind of inform the next bit of time here it's beautiful. It's that lesson of uh, being open to learning and growing always yeah. and um, and that we can do different things. Yeah. We, we can change our mind and we can have phases that 
are impactful parts of our lives and we can shift to doing something else for the next phase. So I've just so enjoyed having you here today Mm -hmm. and this conversation. I know you wanted to offer our listeners to hop on and take a virtual class with you for free. So how do they do that? Yeah, super easy. So we had kind of joked about my name in the beginning, Heather Joma Frey. (laughs) It's a handful, (laughs) but that's literally it. And um, it's just heatherjolmafrey.com. They can look on your website probably, or I'm sure you'll include a link on this podcast. We'll share the the link. Wonderful. (laughs) And it's just so easy. Like you literally just click and you can log on to the class. There's not a paywall there. And I teach three to four classes a week, depending on what my hospital schedule allows. And everybody's welcome. Come and check it out and see what you think. And ask me questions. Always send me email, call me, show up early, ask a couple of questions. Um, I'm totally, totally here for that. Well, thank you so much. And I'm here to tell everyone who's listening, if you get a chance to take a class with Heather, uh, you will be so glad that you did. So I encourage you to hop on and do that. And Heather, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Kendall. It was so wonderful to get to connect with you a little bit. And thanks for your thoughtful questions. Thanks so much for listening to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode please visit our website at wellnesscentercreators.com for more show notes and additional episodes. By the way, I love hearing from listeners. Please send me an email at Kendall, K-E-N-D-A-L-L at wellnesscentercreators.com with your feedback. And if you send me a question, maybe I'll read it on the show anonymously, of course. Thanks so much again for listening and we'll catch you next time on the Wellness Center Creators Podcast.